Do you know what spoilers means? A righteous podcast of contribution hosted by a horrible cunt. Me. <laughs> Fuck it. This is spoilers. Yowzes. That's the earliest we've ever said cunt in an episode. Oh my before. god. <laughs> we gotta run it by Josh. That was amazing. No. Fast and Furious 4. New stunts, same cunts. I think oh, right, 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 right. I did my research, okay? Uh, goody gumdrops. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Spoilers. I'm your host, Corey Kylo, hosting tonight's movie, Snatch, directed by Guy Ritchie, which is brought to you by Brother Brian, friend of the pod, Patreon subscriber, brother to us all, a good man, and thorough. And really, my brother, so. A brother to us all. <laughs> All of us. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Now, uh, let's introduce everyone. We'll go through everyone one at a time. Uh, Brother Brian has provided tonight's opening question, which is, have you ever punched someone or been punched in the face for reals? With a Z. I'm going to go first, and I'll, I'll keep it kind of short, and then we'll go through everyone else. I have both... Been punched and punched many times in my life. <laughs> Sober? Yes, that too. But Dang. one of the uh, first real fist fights I was in was uh, when I was pretty young, and it was provoked actually by a few friends, including co-host from Big Dumb Movie <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> so I can see that. Kick his ass, man. <laughs> This kid at school used to pick on me, so um, I was basically like, to just fight him, fight him, fight him. My friends were provoking me, Jonathan, a couple other people. Um, so I, I said, okay. I approached this kid. I was like, fuck you. We're going to fight now. This is going to be a good old-fashioned tussle. Um, he wouldn't do it, though. So like, this was like after school, and I was like ready to go, and I was like really mad that he wouldn't fight me. So I followed him home. I followed him all the way home to his house. Different route than my house, by the way. And I fought him on his front lawn. <laughs> Jesus. Chase him down like in a simple man or whatever that movie's called? I didn't chase him. I just like followed him. <laughs> I was just walking behind him, uh, insisting that he fight me. And he refused until we made it to his front lawn. And he realized that, you know, he's just got to do something or I won't stop bothering him. Anyway. Challenge me! <laughs> Wait, so what happened in the fight? Yeah, Come on. Did you yeah, win? Did you win? Yes, I did. Nice. I was taking Taekwondo back then, so I did punch him, but I was mostly kicking, you know? Because <laughs> I was the like, little Mr. Karate Man. <laughs> Whoa, that's an insult. Did you okay. have a doll in your backyard that lit up if you kicked it in just the right spots? Yeah, uh, my grandpa showed up and he was like, Light up the eyes, Corey, light up the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a half an inch between victory and defeat. Um, but anyway, I want to go through you guys now. I'm going to go through you guys in order of who I think is the most violent to the least violent. Oh, my God. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So, listeners, be sure to write in and tell us which member of the pod you think is the most violent. <laughs> but anyway, naturally, Brett, you're up first. Oh. <laughs> that's funny because I've literally never been in a fight. I've never punched anyone in the face, and I've never been punched in the face. I guess internal rage doesn't count. You never fought your brother? God, no. Have you seen my brother? 
My brother and I never, ever fought about anything. I threw him up on the cabinet at our house in Bloomington once, and it, like, I saw fear in his eyes for the first time, but no. I, bull, bull crap. No, ask him, ask him. I'll, I'll interview him for the pod. I also tied him in an arm wrestling match one time when he was really drunk, and I just had to know the next time, and he killed me. So I have been in the boxing match, and I boxed somebody that I should not have boxed, and he actually broke his hand on my head, and he missed the first <laughs> game of the football season. He was like the best player. Oh, so my God. I guess I won that one. Right? You're like the Terminator. <laughs> You're like the the T-800. Like, he punched you and his hand just breaks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he, he definitely gave me concussion. I was, uh, yeah, I was hurt really bad. But, nope, never been punched in the face. Never punched anybody in the face. All right. So, you're wrong. I'm not violent. I still say you're the most violent. But next up, <laughs> second most violent of the pod, Pappy. Whoa. Clearly. That's, that's ridiculous. No, never been in a fight. Never punched someone. Never been punched in the face. Closest I ever came i mean when stevie and i would play backyard football oh, he would yeah. often like cheat and like follow me and like do dirty moves because <laughs> i have to put him in his place like wrestle him to the ground or something like that put him in a full nelson and teach him his lesson but no i never <gasps> sharpshooter i'm a lover not a fighter kylo not a wrestler either right uh not a good wrestler no i can wrestle <laughs> uh i went defeated in junior high wrestling so and could i beat well I think I've told that story before. I don't need to say that again. But yeah. <laughs> not exactly peak Modine. He won a gold medal, but not in the regular Olympics. So I'll put it that way. Champion in life. All right. Next up on our uh, violent scale is, of course, Stevie, the man who cheats to win. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Okay. So this is make me sound really awful. Do you guys remember that game, Clay Fighters? Or um, oh, yeah. oh yeah, fuck yeah, Ichabod Clay. Cool, Mister Cool. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so like when I was seven years old, yeah, guys, around six or seven, there was this Bad neighbor, Mister Frosty. There was this neighbor <laughs> kid that like lived across the street, and he was the same age, but like way bigger than me. He had like an early growth spurt, and I remember I beat him. Like, in back-to-back rounds of Clay Fighters, and he kicked me in the leg really hard, <laughs> and I went full attack mode and started kicking him. I mean, full-on soccer, like, field goal kicking him as hard as I could to the ground. And I remember, like, I just kept kicking him in the hip as hard as I could. Like, just nonstop, nonstop. He ended up, like, doing this blood-curling scream. <laughs> and, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, it was a whole thing. It's called a death rattle. Yeah, it, he like had like this blood curling scream. This sounds okay. It was seven. God. And I remember my dad came down, and this kid was like bawling his eyes out. And so my dad had to like walk that kid across the street to his parents and like tell him like what had happened. And I just remember I got in so much trouble, and I got clay fighters taken away from me for so long. Stevie, I'd like to imagine your dad walks in, the kid's crying on the ground, you know, in pain, and you just go, he fell. (laughs) (laughs) If I only knew, yeah, but, yeah, his scream still kind of sticks with me. That was kind of (laughs) sad. You still hear it at night? Yeah. Cannibal Lecter, like, do you still hear the screams of the little boy, Stevie? I don't remember his name, but if you're listening to that podcast, I am really sorry. 
Sorry, you suck at clay fighters so badly. Well, that and the worst part was is like they moved like a month later, and part of me still feels like they moved because of me. <laughs> oh, they definitely did. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. Next up, Mikey. No, I've never been any sort of fight. Uh, I'm much too funny to get in any sort of altercation like that. Can probably just talk my way out of that sort of situation. And no, nobody's ever punched me in the face. I'm way too fast for that. So no. And tall. Yeah, I don't think anybody would want to fight me. Honestly, I'm more intimidating looking than I probably am. But uh, no, I've never ever. I would never ever want to be in a fight either. So I'm a big pansy like that. I've seen Mikey challenge a guy that was way bigger than him. Oh, I've done that before. That I'm was very amazing. stupidly. <laughs> drunkenly done that but I've, no, I I've saw never... a fear in a guy's eyes that was way bigger than Mikey and that was awesome good for you Mikey hmm. don't do that anymore last up pacifist of the pod brother Josh hmm. I appreciate the uh, honors you give me here but I don't know if I can live up to it because I have like two fights let's um, go yeah, Josh is super violent Josh is the most violent and came in last on Corey's ranking more violent than me. Oh, my god. Prove me wrong, Josh. <laughs> well, the first one was just like I was at Best Friends Drew Rockland's neighborhood in third mm. or fourth grade. And like the first time I went over to play with the neighborhood gang, like, I don't know if they just try to weed a dude out every day or what happens. But all of a sudden they were like, Brad, fight him. You won't fight him, Brad. And he came over and tried to like fight me. And the next thing I knew he was just like choking and crying and i was like had him in this nasty headlock and i was like oh shit i'm so happy i'm not the only one so happy did you like black out no but it was just it he like really tried to like punch me you know and like i don't really know what happened in the scuffle but i just like i don't know manhandled that dude he shouldn't have stepped <laughs> Know what I'm saying? <laughs> what was the height disparity between you two? I don't know because I was like literally like fourth grade, so I was kind yeah. of a tall kid. Now I'm like six four. I'm a pretty tall dude. And freshman year of high school, I was in cross country. And Pappy, you know cross country is a brutal sport, anyway, right? Lots of fights. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> hockey. <out there>. Yep. <laughs> Every team has a goon. They throw out on the course. Just to... It doesn't. Stir no, I'm talking up. about like in team fighting is probably more likely like you don't fight anyone on the on the course what josh was the enforcer on the course throwing bows on the track on the uh, trail no 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 so i only ran cross country one year freshman year even though i lettered and it was partly because of this there's only two freshmen that went out me and this other kid he ended up being like a good friend of mine later in life but at the time like we're at some invitational and he's just back there like ripping on me being Mr. Tough guy just saying like I don't know talking crap about my girlfriend I think at the time so I went back there and I was like Caleb you need to like stop doing that oh Caleb oh crap I just said it shoot <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's not listening he went to punch me in the face and again it was kind of like that same thing his like pinky kind of grazed me and I shoved him, and I didn't think it was that hard, but he went, like, flying back. <laughs> he lost his glasses for a while. They, like, flew over into some ditch weed, and we did hear, like, the whole group just kept 
running like we're on our opening like warm-up jog we all just like we all just kept running away from him and we heard him in the distance go you broke my glasses you bastard (laughs) (laughs) oh man but hey Corey, i I don't know all of them but can i answer at least one for my brother since he asked the question answer one what the opening question about whether he's been punched in the face or not. Brian can't get any fights. He's so nice. Well, he was walking home from a, a bar by himself one night um, in his 20s, I think, and he was really drunk. I think it was, uh, what's that really rich part of Indy called, where all the bars are? Broad Ripple? Broad Ripple, Broad Ripple yeah. And I think some some dude hopped out of the, bush, the bushes and cold cocked him. <laughs> what? Surprise, motherfucker. What? Brian, by the time Brian got up, he had skirted off like a crackhead. And, <laughs> and Brian was like, what just happened? <laughs> he got hit by a ninja crackhead. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, because I mean, Brian got up and my brother's significantly, you know, he's a pretty big dude. So uh, I don't know why the guy was mad or if he was trying to prove a point or whatever. But other than that, I don't know if he's been in the fight or not. He is nice, and he's he's a he's always been uh, really pretty big and muscular. So, well, if we're talking about street fights, I mean, I think we have to mention me and Pap and Pop, Stevie. Mm. Were you there as well? You three five on five? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. What? That guy was so drunk. Like, <laughs> uh. we had a guy from Purdue challenge me, Mikey, and Pap, him and four of his other goon friends, and he was like, <laughs> "All right, you three five on five. <laughs> And Mikey settled, diffused the entire thing by just saying, dude, how drunk are you? In, in the in the parking lot of like a steak and shake, like right, <laughs> right on a main road or something. Lots of like, fights happened in the parking lot of a steak and shake. Yeah. Uh, that was it fun. ended up being a, a classic college memory, though. It's the first memory I think of. Was that the night that we fire extinguished Pap? Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got fire That's pretty cold, isn't it? I, it probably like it's gonna give me like lung cancer or something. <laughs> it was like a thick dust. It's mesothelioma, actually. Were you on fire? No, I was trying. To, I'm a pappy. I was trying to sleep peacefully in my bed, and <laughs> these goons attacked me with a fire extinguisher. Not to be insensitive, <sighs> we're 20 years past it. But if you walked into that apartment the next morning, 20 years past it. What are you talking about? What? <laughs> What are you? Pappy's apartment looked like Ground Zero the next morning. Yeah, past nine eleven, oh, Pap. Yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, it was quite sad and funny at the same time. That's why I have a cough today, <laughs> just because of that. I've got the black lung. <laughs> uh, black lung, Pap. Awesome stories, guys. Thank you so much. Let's talk about Snatch, Josh. Before we talk about stuff that happens in the movie, maybe how would you describe Snatch to someone that hasn't seen it? Man, the new me watching Snatch or like back in the day loving Snatch? Both versions, (laughs) man. Oh, I still like Snatch, Brett. Come on, bro. Okay, I was worried. I would say, you know, you drop the name Guy Ritchie. It's Guy Ritchie, so if you're familiar with his work at all, but it's kind of like music heavy really stylized editing you're gonna encounter a lot of colorful characters and a lot of violence i would say that would kind of be like my quick tagline yeah a lot of englishness a lot of accents 
Is there is this a genre like the movie Snatch, like and other movies like it, if there even are any that aren't directed by Guy Ritchie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did he do Rock and Roller? Boondock Saints got a lot of accents and guns and jokes. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I wonder what that is called. I think Snatch is one of the all-time greats of whatever genre it is. You know, definitely. It's like gangster comedy. Gangster, or yeah. I would call it gangster. Yeah, like this fast-paced uh, action comedy, British crime comedy kind of sounds. And as weird as it sounds, like I want to categorize it as cool. You know, like there's a coolness to this movie, an attitude yeah. oh. to it, like an edge. A little bit of trying to be cool, though. Just a little bit. Is that the uh, <laughs> newer Josh watching it? The older man, Josh? I think you put that together, brought that full circle, Kyla. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, to this movie's credit, there's a phase in my life where I was fully bought in on that. And it's fun to be bought in that. It's almost regrettable that I watch movies a little bit differently now. But I still can enjoy this movie, Corey. I'm not trying to down it. For sure. No, it is good. Well, let's not stand on ceremony. Pappy, the movie Snatch, kick it off. Uh, I love the intro to Snatch. Uh, We meet Turkish and Tommy in the same place that the movie will end. But the real highlight for me is the opening Mm. robbery scene. Mm. Two things. One, the way it's presented. It's got these like security monitors, I guess. And as the as Benicio del Toro dressed as a full-on, very severely orthodox Jew man walking through this diamond store, like it kind of like mirrors his path through the store. So that it goes to the left monitors as he moves left through the frame, and as he goes up the elevator, it moves to like the upper monitors and the thing. Like really creative, but I love that. Also, the um, the topic of conversation is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> like, can can we even have a Christ-like character anymore, Josh, if he's not born of an actual Virgin Mary? <laughs> so they came up with a prophecy. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You understand this? It was a virgin that caught people's attention. It's not every day a virgin conceives and bears a son. We have a few Catholic boys on this pod. Are any guys offended by this? What he's basically claiming that the whole Christian religion is based on a mistake. A mis- yeah, a mistranslation. Mm, why would he think that? <laughs> why would a Jewish guy think that? He probably read it in a book <laughs> or something. <laughs> no, I don't have an issue with it. I thought it was a pretty funny thing to even be talking about. And like Pappy said, the way it's shot. Like, just seeing it, like, unfold through security cameras. And also, like, the sound doesn't feel extremely ADR'd. It actually sounds like it's in camera, which is really nice. So, yeah, I thought it was really mm-hmm. cool. Even just the creativity, too, of, like, when they get to the far left one, it's been, like, just these, like, sort of wider shots. But he finds a way to make it, like, basically a close-up, like, a foreshot of, like, the four of them in the elevator, right? So it's even, like, dynamic moving through those different monitors. It's really cool. I've shown Snatch to a few people in my life that haven't seen it. And Mm. more than once, uh, someone has pointed out, you know, before anything really kicks off, they see these Hasidic Jews. And uh, people have said to me, oh, that's a fake beard. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm always like, just wait. Just wait. (laughs) (laughs) I love that when someone thinks they're so smart for identifying that. And then like they have no idea what they're in for. You, you yeah. know what it is? It's 
Grand Theft Auto. That's the genre of the movie. <laughs> it's just gangsters and like jokes and probably too too intense of violence and language is what it is. Mm-hmm. Is what it reminds me of. That's what I love about you, Mikey. The video game associations you make to things. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is to me. Mikey, maybe you can tell us about like what these supposed Hasidic dudes do. Just <laughs> I said Jew. What they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, once they get into the, I don't know, the, like the top offices or the safe or whatever, they are like greeted by security guards and like they get metal detected and Benicio Del Toro is like, what do you want me to do? Draw my pants? And then the security guard is just like, just go. And so they get in with all of these guns. They get in the office and then they like rob the place. Um, and Benicio has some great lines. Frankie Fourfingers, he's like, there is the stone. <laughs> and he's, they're like looking for this giant diamond that is apparently in this safe and they take off with it and escape uh, later in a van. Where's the stone? Okay. Where is the stone? Where is the stone? Michael, where is the stone? For sure. It's just a heist. I don't know why they had to dress like Hasidic Jews. Uh, I think they were just like disguised as this guy's friend to get up there. But yeah, that was their way in. Yeah, no, I quite like that. It's like, you know, all their security guys out front are just going to be like, oh, it's the Hasidic Jews that always come in here. You know, they don't know the difference. But the main guy that they are stealing the stone from recognize him when he sees them up close. But I really like that heist moment. It's just so cool and fast-paced, and it has these, like, crazy transitions that you don't really see in movies. Right, Josh? Maybe you can, like, help identify what that is. But, like, the camera, like, does, like, a 360, and then it, like, goes to the next guy. You know what I mean? Like, like the camera, like, barrel rolls in between people almost. There's kind of a reason you don't do that, because, like, you pull the frame out completely to spin it, and you're seeing, like, the sides of it. And so you're just revealing a lot of black negative space. So a lot of people avoid that because, I don't know, to kind of show black is kind of faux pas. But so on one hand, it's like, yeah, there's a reason that's not done too much. But on the other hand, like, it's just fun to see, you know, and there's like some really creative ones they do with like spinning a diamond and then it's in another person's hand. And I, I also quite like Corey, just the introduction of characters in this it just also feels very gta i have to say the title like how each one gets their title and the, yes. the cool transitions yeah. loading screen <laughs> yeah yeah just to kind of go balls out for fun and a little bit of familiarity that like there's a cast of characters here and there's like a want as you go along here to kind of keep track of all of them in a sense isn't there Corey? I think so, for sure. It's tough on the first watch or two. Yeah, I mean, that was so long ago, it's hard to put myself there again, but I could see that. What I'm reminded of is, like, I think Suicide Squad tried to do this in some ways, you know, with, like, this really cool intro, and they each get their own little title, and there's, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the sweet rock music playing. It didn't really succeed, but it tried. 
I, I feel like we're doing the movie a little bit of a disservice by not talking about the very true beginning with like which is the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Happy mentioned that. All he said, Brett, is that the movie ends there. Do you have anything else? Oh no, I just like the introduction to our two main characters. My name is Turkish. Funny name for an Englishman, I know. My parents to be were on the same plane when it crashed. That's how they met. They named me after the name of the plane. Not many people are named after a plane crash. That's Tommy. He tells people who's named after a gun. But I know he was really named after a famous 19th century ballet dancer. Known him for as long as I can remember. He's my partner. Doesn't mean we hold hands or take windy walks. What it really means is I try to keep him out of as much trouble as he inflicts on me. I give him a hard time. Keeps him in check. But really, he's like my brother. What do I know about diamonds? I'm a boxing promoter. I was a happy boxing promoter until a week ago. And then, what do I know about diamonds? Don't they come from Antwerp? I'll say this because I, this was the, I didn't think I had seen Snatch. And then I watched this. And I've, I've 100% seen Snatch, but just not in like a really long time. And it must have been like really late at night or something. But the first time you watch it, it is pretty disorienting, like trying to figure out who all the characters are or whatever. And like you kind of think that it's setting up that um, Jason Statham and Tommy are, you know, part of the the diamond heist or whatever. So it's a little bit like confusing there. But that's what makes I think this movie so rewatchable. Right. And this was like this movie was like huge on DVD. I feel like, oh, yeah. I feel like everybody had Snatch. Yeah, and VHS, but yes. We can't just breeze over as well, right? That snatch is another word for vagina, as alluded to in your <laughs> opening spoiler course. Is it really? I feel like it is, right? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. kidding, Pap, of course. 100%. Yeah. I feel like it's the second worst after that C word. What? I have a question for you, though, Stevie. You watch tons What's of that? movies. Yep. Does Is this one of the movies that you feel like breaks a lot of rules as far as editing and like we came back to the opening scene with the voiceover i think that's a big part of this movie right and yeah um i don't really mind the voiceovers at all Uh, there are a lot of rule breaks especially with there's a lot of transitions that don't hit for the sake of i think trying to do a transition a lot of them aren't very clean also like you said josh and Corey, the barrel rolling of the (laughs) of the frame is not always awesome to do uh, it's really disorienting but i don't really mind it in the bank heist for the simple fact that it's a very disorienting thing for people that are experiencing it which guy Ritchie does a lot of throughout this movie he tries to match the camera work with kind of the um i guess to say the emotion of the feeling of the scene itself right i think to the movie's benefit yeah yeah i mean especially towards the end in the last boxing scene you can tell what guy Ritchie's doing brett I, maybe you can tell us about Turkish and Tommy. They're looking to buy a caravan, even though the one they have is clearly tip-top. Tip-top. <laughs> He's trying to run a business. They have a dual business. Turkish kind of runs the boxing, and Tommy runs the little arcade casino-type deal, and they're looking for a caravan. And off-screen, Turkish sets up a meeting where he's going to get a caravan at a campsite, and... Tommy's like, I hope it's not Pikey's. I hate Pikey's, and which becomes kind of a th- common thing that's said throughout this movie. People just really hate Pikey's. 
Well, I ain't Parkies, all right. I fucking hate Parkies. You're sensitive, born, you tell me. So, yeah, uh, they send Gorgeous George, who's the boxer. He's a big meathead. Uh, he was a real boxer and a rugby player, so he's probably really tough in real life. Oh. And they go to the campsite to buy a caravan. So you don't think Brad Pitt could have really beaten him? No. No. <laughs> I do not. I'd like to see Gorgeous George and Vinnie Jones in a street fight. Because you know Vinnie Jones knows all the tricks. Yeah, he probably has a knife on him. <laughs> he has Desert Eagle point five zero. Mikey, what can you tell us about pikeys? Like, what? I had never heard the term pikey until I had seen this movie. What about you? Uh, no, not well versed in gypsy culture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like we said before, this movie almost requires multiple watches on it because you're not going to understand anything Brad Pitt or his friends say for the most part. Now, there is a problem with pikeys or gypsies. What are you doing, Potter? Get out the way back. Can't really understand much of what is being said. You tell me. Come back to Canada. He's thrown ill. Fuck, man. Tell me, Mickey. It's not Irish. It's not English. How are you? Fair, it would have been kindest with the horses, you know. It's just, well, it's just pikey. Fuck me. Just look at the size of it. How big are you? Hey, kids. How big is he? He's a big man, that's for sure. Hey, man. Come and look at the size of this fella. Bet you back a little. Conscious work. Ah. Uh, you look like a boxer. And I don't know if subtitles are going to help you too much. I don't even know if they are subtitled, but... um, mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, you can't understand anything that they're saying. So that's like almost their power over people when they're dealing with selling stuff. When Turkish and Tommy want to go buy this caravan, they're, they've made a deal. They don't know the terms of the deal, uh, and they don't know the condition that this caravan is in. Now, pikeys are well known for their skills of negotiation and business. It's probably the reason they talk like they do. So you can't follow much of what is being said. But if Tommy can get the caravan for less than the price asked, on his return, there will be an ice cream waiting. Good dog. Good family. Hold on to him tight. Get a little homesick for a while, but get over it. See you later, lads. See you, boss. All right, Mickey. Later. Oh, I see what all the fuss is about. So they've gotten a bad caravan. The wheels fall off when they try to take off and gorgeous George and Tommy really are pissed off and want their money back. And it immediately escalates from there because they didn't understand them. They didn't get their money's worth out of this caravan. And, uh, uh, Mickey has like escalated it to, yeah, we can settle this with a good old-fashioned gypsy fight <laughs> and where he knows that he has all of the advantage over Gorgeous George. You want the money? Hey, fuck you. Fetch for it. You and me. It's funny because like, when you type in Pikey to Google, because I was trying to do some research, like it tries to autofill like Pikey bare-knuckle boxing <laughs> videos. Like, it, like There's like so many results of like long bare knuckle boxing videos amongst the pikey people i don't know if that's like a slur for me to say but it kind of is but it's definitely a derogatory term but i don't know any gypsies so uh we're canceled pap's gonna have to do an hour and 40 minute Lindsay ellis apology video (laughs) 
Part one, Twitter is garbage. It's going to work, too. It's going to work. <laughs> this is going to be the one that works, boys. This is a YouTube apology video. I mean, Josh, do you want to take this opportunity? Can we talk about it? Is the movie Snatch problematic? I feel like that's what Josh was getting at at the top of the podcast. His, like, old man eyes now. Yeah. See it that way. No, it was more so that I'm, like, very cognizant of it trying to be so hip and with it like steve buscemi with a backwards hat basically but (laughs) how do you do fellow films yep they drop a couple f words and that that in itself is a little problematic i think fucking eight pikeys fucking eight pikeys a fucking 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 eight pikeys fuck me who the fuck's talking to you boy mary fucking poppins are you taking a piss bollocks can't ass you fucking idiots. Bollocks. Balls. Pussy. Prick. Bastard. Piece of shit. It's only a fucking dog. <laughs> and it's worth... Fuck. Fuck. Fuck all. Uh, beyond that, I think it's just kind of like zany. So like how harmful can it really be, I guess? I, I don't know. That means cigarette in England, Josh. Is it like uh, derogatory towards Russians or like maybe there's probably some stuff I'm blind to. A Russian? Well, to be technical, he's an Uzbekistanian, but... Uzbekistanian? I've been dealing with those sneaky Russian dogs. No, I don't think it is. I was just wondering what you were going to pull out of your ass if I asked that. No, I got nothing. Josh, do you you defend the Russians? Are you a Russian apologist, Josh? (laughs) A Cossack apologist, Josh? Uh, We could say there's no um, gender representation in this movie. If we wanted to, I don't know, <laughs> make something up. A lot yeah, of dudes. Dad, you told us. A lot of dudes. A lot of old dudes, not very young. I don't think I'd want to be the one woman in this movie. It's probably for the best. Uh, there are twins. Those are two different people. And the bookie. <laughs> the one set of DNA. And the bookie, who's probably the toughest person in this whole movie. Twins aren't people. They're half souls, and that's not really... <laughs> yeah, try, try again, Brett. They're not gingers, Josh. They have souls. Brad Pitt's mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she dies. I would say, too, Kylo, like, I think that someone could make a very, like, disingenuous YouTube video where they cut together, like, everyone saying, I hate Pikeys, and be like, see, this is a racist movie. But, like, at the end of the day, the Pikeys, like, get it over on everybody. Oh, you know yeah. What I mean? They're the smartest they people get it in the over world. On the whole movie, they're outsmarting people the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. That's just one element that I do love is like they're looked at and they're framed as being like the lowest ring of the society of criminals that we see. <laughs> I mean, they're all criminals, but they're the worst ones, you know? They're dirty. They don't like live lavish lifestyles. But in actuality, they're, uh, they have like a stronger community and they're, mm-hmm. they're, basically smarter than everyone they fucking hustle everyone in the whole movie they hustle Mm -hmm. the hustlers it's great you say they but it's really just brad pitt and a bunch of mumbling dudes behind him (laughs) and his best friend the the dude with the mullet love that guy that guy yeah he's it's crazy because he's like one he's like maybe one of the main characters in lock stock and two smoking barrels yeah he had a much smaller role in this i wonder why he has my favorite part in the whole movie too even to this day just still crack up (laughs) i'd like to think brett that he was probably originally going to do brad pitt's role because brad pitt kind came Uh, into production kind of later yeah like he wanted to be a part of the movie and they're like uh yeah we'll have you be mickey so 
that was kind of my thought process. But I do like that dude in the little bit he's in this movie. It's Darren, I think his name is. Yeah, it's uh, he's actually third build, Jason Fleming. Damn. He's got to be like best friends with Guy Ritchie or something. We're going to take every line away you that you have, but we'll list you third. <laughs> That's like my favorite part. He only has like three lines. Me too. Got some taws on you. Josh, what's your favorite part is with the little pamphlet? No, it's after Brad Pitt's mom dies and Turkish and Tommy go out there and he pops out of the trailer looking oh, to yeah. like start a fight. He, says, he goes, he goes you, got some, you, got some tar, you got some tars on you. What the fuck are you still doing here? Down, come on. You got some tars on you. Fuck out. Fuck out. Down. No, it's when uh, Turkish and Tommy are there and they're saying they want a caravan for Mickey's mom and he hands the photo. Oh, yeah. And then he like wipes his nose. I always remember the nose wipe. <laughs> so that's my moment. I also love about like the Pikey camp and characters. They're like 20 years behind on everything. Like all of their fashion looks like it came straight out of the 1980s. Hey, Pappy, you're a spoilers historian. True. How many movies now are we at where people are taking a dump outside too? Ooh, Ooh. Um, Nocturnal Animals. Yep. This. Snatch. Maybe two, two movie club for dumps outside. Did they do it in Captain Fantastic? Uh, probably. Ooh. I feel like that's a Captain Fantastic thing. Probably Swiss Family Robinson. And Boss Baby. Technically witness, like all the Amish <laughs> poop outside, so. True. But not like on their front porch. They're not people, though, so. There's an outhouse scene in Young Guns. <laughs> Young Guns, yeah, yeah, you're right. That counts, Josh, that counts. Outhouse. It's out of the house. So a five six movie club pooping outside is one of our top build actors in spoilers <laughs> history. Stevie, what's up? Let's talk about some of the other characters. Uh, Boris the Blade, so Boris good. the Bullet Dodger, Boris the Sneaky Fucking Russian. He finds out that uh, Frankie has this diamond, and he's he arranges a way to try to get it for himself through some other guys. Maybe you can kind of expand on that. Yeah, so his brother kind of sets everything off in motion by telling him that, you know, Frankie has this uh, briefcase attached to him with a diamond the size of a fist in it. And that's when I love it when his brother goes, you know, no one can know it's Russian. Don't hire idiots. And so who does he hire? The three biggest idiots in the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Vinny, Soul, and Tyrone. And pretty much their job is to uh, hold up the bookies, get a hold of uh, Benicio Del Toro, and they get 50K. The funny thing about uh, Benicio Del Toro's character is he, he has a horrific gambling problem. So everything's kind of coming into a head real quick. You know, okay. nothing good ever happens whenever you uh, handcuff a briefcase to your arm. No. Nothing yeah. ever <laughs> it really good you. happens. Yeah. Puts a target on your back. It's like uh, getting into a secret thing by using your eye, like an uh, an eye yep. swipe. You know what I mean? That eye's coming out. An eye's summer. coming out. Demolition <laughs> Man. Mission Impossible. Avengers. Oh, yeah. Corey, there's one moment in here that is really exemplary of the editing stuff I was talking about earlier, and then I'll drop it. But it's when they've already showed like that cut scene, you know, where they show Benicio Del Toro like partying with girls, with champagne, winning a bunch of money, losing a bunch of money. <laughs> They've showed that once, and then, like, later, 15 minutes later in the movie, someone's like, yeah, do you want to come down to this, like, betting ring or whatever? And you see a look of it in his eyes, 
and then they cut back to like a similar montage. It's kind of like a trust your audience thing at that point, but he just couldn't resist. I don't know. Just to, I think it's more just funny at that, but the, yeah, I is. guess it, it depends is. on how you look at it. What did you right. think about uh, like the almost fantastical? It's not exactly a montage, but when he's getting fitted for a suit and he's like in a totally different suit <laughs> every time. 15 seconds. I think he has four different outfits on. I think that's what yeah. I read. Yes. It's like almost fantastical and like obviously could never happen in real life because the <laughs> conversation is so short, but it's just so funny. I like to think when uh, they show his gambling problem and he has these like Vegas flashbacks, my mind connects to fear and loathing in Las Vegas, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for that? Checking into a Vegas hotel under a phony name with intent to commit capital fraud and a head full of acid. I sure hope so. 30 minutes. It was going to be very close. I'd like to think that's why they don't want him to go back. They're like, stay the fuck away from Johnny Depp. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Vinny, Soul, and Tyrone, them trying to rob the bookies, because I think it's like, for me, one of the highlights of the movie. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Mikey? Yeah, this might be like the funniest scene in the movie for me personally. Yeah, um, it just uh, goes wrong almost instantly. Uh, <laughs> they uh, the whole lead up to it is uh, so funny to me as well because uh, they f- they find this guy Tyrone to be their getaway driver and he has a hard time just even getting out of the the car <laughs> and they're like. What is this guy gonna get away from? <laughs> it's like this guy isn't gonna get is away. He gonna from... get away from? Yeah. yeah. So they're just all roasting each other in the car, and Tyrone is like super uptight too, because they have that dog. Mm. They got the random dog from Pikey's, which I guess every time you do a deal with Pikey's, you get a dog. Like I remember, he says, "Stop that dog dribbling on my seats." <laughs> and like his car stolen, Tyrone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love when they're in the pawn shop and the dog like runs out the door and he's like, don't worry about the dog. And Forrester Boy's like, I wasn't I'm at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they try to, they try to rob this bookie. And of course all bets are off because gorgeous George has gotten knocked out and he's like in the hospital. So like they had to switch fighters. So all the bets were canceled and that's when they try to go rob this bookie. How you doing, Vince? Oh, I'll be doing a lot better. You stop using my name. Fill that back. All bets are off. I am not in here to make a fucking bet. Appreciated, but all bets are off. If all bets are off, then there can't be any money, can there? I ain't fucking buying that. Well, that's Andy, because I ain't fucking selling it. It's a fact. What have you got? Nothing, really. A few coins, but no notes. So there's absolutely no money in this building, and he's losing his mind because they need this money... Or, or they need to rob this bookie because they think that Frankie Fourfingers has placed a bet with this giant-ass diamond here, and they're going to steal it. They don't know that they're stealing this diamond, but they're trying to rob the place. And Yeah, they know they need to get the, the case off him for Boris. Yeah, but it's all gone horribly wrong and in, in the most hilarious way. Right. The only thing the woman at the front has is, like, a bag of pennies, like this, like, 
burlap sack of pennies (laughs) (laughs) just for show (laughs) my favorite part is where he like holds up the guy with the briefcase that's in the building and that isn't frankie four fingers and he's like you've got five fingers (laughs) he's so (laughs) upset about it because he's looking for frankie four fingers and it's just like wrong guy and they got this insane shotgun for the mm-hmm. job, this like ridiculous looking gun. What's that? <laughs> this is a shotgun, so it's a fucking anti-aircraft gun, Vincent. Yeah, well I wanna raise some pulses, don't I? You'll raise hell. Never mind pulses. It's like it's probably even more ridiculous for them, because there's like no guns in England. <laughs> And, like, they use it, like, twice, and every time it, like, blows a bunch of debris back in their face. Like, he fires it into the ceiling and just, like, fucking, like, drywall and shit just falls down on him. They're, like, yelling each other's names the whole time, and he's like, stop saying my name. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, the way the woman who, like, takes the gun from them and, like, shoots it, like, you can tell, like, she would be a thousand times better at holding up this bookies than any of them were, like, just the way... (laughs) The way she like shoots, she's the like gun. tough as nails. Exactly. Like she's like the toughest. She has like zero fear in that situation. Yeah, like she has a movie where everything goes correct. Exactly. She's been robbed <laughs> several times before. We need a spinoff movie, Stevie. We already got it. It's called Atomic Blonde. That's cool. who Atomic Blonde is based on. Oh, that's that's the origin story of Atomic Blonde. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Looks are a little different. Another small thing in the robbery is like when they're trying to leave and they can't get out. Like they don't realize to open the door the other way. They shoot at the door handle and like it ricochets and like the dude falls down. He's like, my leg. And it like, he's like, it didn't even hit you. Like, I just love that. Like on top of it, he's just like a drama queen. Like the great thing is when um, I think it's Vinny looks at Soul and he goes, it's a security door. And he just starts shooting it. It's definitely, it's gotta be bulletproof. I'd imagine. It's some good shit. Bricktop. Let's talk about Bricktop. Oh, he's one of the best villains ever, I think. Oh, I agree. Bricktop is amazing. He's my favorite character in the whole movie. Um, he runs the local prize fighting ring, which Tommy and Turkish are involved in. And uh, after Gorgeous George gets wrecked by Mickey, Tommy and Turkish, they they basically owe him, right? So they get Mickey to be their new boxer in an upcoming fight. Brett, maybe you can kind of talk about that a little bit more, like what what they have to do now to get through this with Bricktop. Yeah, so Turkish mentions earlier um, that in the unlicensed boxing world, eventually you're going to have to to come across Bricktop, which nobody likes to do. And he says, if you get into his debt, you're screwed. You're always going to be in his debt. There's a reason for Tommy's newfound enthusiasm for firearms. Sooner or later, in the unlicensed boxing world, you're going to have to deal with that reason. Bricktop. If that's not worth a bet, I don't know what is. He doesn't look bad, does he? Oh, no, Mr. Pulpwood, he looks great. He'd do you proud, Governor. You reckon that's what people should do for me, do you, Gary? Do me proud? That's what you deserve, Mr. Pulpwood. Pull your tongue out of my arsehole, Gary. Dogs do that. You're not a dog, are you, Gary? Uh, no. No, I'm not. However, you do have all the characteristics of a dog, Gary. All except loyalty. It's rumoured that Bricktop's favourite means of dispatch involves a stun gun. A plastic bag, a roll of tape, and a pack of hungry pigs. You're a ruthless little cunt, Liam, I'll give you that. But I've got no time for grasses. 
Feed them to the pigs, Errol. Of course, first time dealing with them, he screws up. And Bricktop, who's super, super angry that this has happened, basically says, like, to make it up to me, you will have your fighter go down in the fourth round. And he's just an awful, awful person. I mean, I think he implies multiple times that he will kill both of them if they don't do what he says. So what is it about him that's so memorable to you, Brett? Well, he, his accent's great. His teeth are gnarly. He feeds Yeah, his mouth, his teeth. <laughs> that's exactly what Guy Ritchie said, almost word for word. <laughs> I saw an interview and he said uh, about the actor, his name's Alan Ford. He's like, he's got yep. great teeth and he's got a great accent. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he's an East Ender or something like that. But yeah, um, he is obsessed with pigs. He like almost literally never gets his hands dirty. He's got people, he's got two humongous bodyguards. Actually, I hope this is true, but there's a fact on uh, IMDb that cracks me up and it's like textbook Sean Connery. I don't know if you guys saw that bit of trivia do tell like he somehow got the script and he wanted to be a part of it so they said well watch lock stock and two smoking barrels and actually set up a screening for him and he came out he said something like that's a great movie you you guys can't afford me (laughs) (laughs) because he could tell that it was you know bare bones lock stock had something like a million dollar budget or some like ridiculously small budget well, there's some funny things about this, like in the boxing scenes, <laughs> like when you see people and then the camera flips to a different part, those are the same people because they couldn't afford mm-hmm. enough extras. So they just had to move the people over and over again. Oh, yeah. And this is what Guy Ritchie considered like his big budget movie. And I'm sure it was at Ten the time. Million, yeah. Ten million bucks. I mean, in this is, you know, before The Gentleman and all that, before Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin, God. his magnum opus, Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mickey is gonna fight for Bricktop and Turkish and Tommy, and uh, there's just small shit in this movie that I really love. Like I love seeing Mickey in the corner, like in the you know in the ring when the fight's about to happen, and he's like wearing his little pikey hat like in the ring, <laughs> and he's smoking a cigarette, like. He looks so out of place compared to everyone else. He's all like, and they scruffy. start booing him, and he like does the jerk off signal. Yeah, uh, I love that. <laughs> uh, but of course, he does not go down in the fourth. He is a pikey, and he's not to be trusted. Another small thing is like Bricktop's all mad that he didn't go down, so he's like leaving the warehouse that they're having this boxing match in. He's like storming out, and like all the mob guys are giving him shit. But like one like low level shithead like <laughs> starts talking to him. Thanks for the tip, Bricktop. Yeah, that dude. And Bricktop just, like, stabs him in the sack. Brutal shit. Oh, the fucking pipe has put me in it. Well, thanks for the tip, Bricktop. It's a new fucking fringe. If I throw a dog a bone, I don't want to know if it tastes good or not. You stop me again whilst I'm walking, and I'll cut your fucking Jacobs off. There's so many words for testicles in this movie that you'll never hear outside this movie, like Jacobs, Minerals. <laughs> minerals. <laughs> never, ever heard Jacobs before. Oh, yeah. All the British slang I know comes from this movie. Oh, yeah. Josh, a scene that I really like, and you can let me know if you feel the same way, is uh, a little bit later on, Bricktop catches up with Vinny and Soul, who tried to rob his bookie. 
And he walks in like at the perfect moment. Yeah. So Bricktop walks in and like these guys are had just gotten shaked down by Boris, right? And they're trying to like dispose of this body. You're always gonna have problems lifting a body in one piece. Apparently the best thing to do is cut up a corpse into six pieces and pile it all together. Would someone mind telling me? Who are you? And when you've got your six pieces, you've got to get rid of them. Because it's no good leaving it in a deep freeze for your mum to discover now, is it? Then I hear the best thing to do is feed them to pigs. You've got to starve the pigs for a few days. Then the sight of a chopped up body will look like curry to a piss head. You've got to shave the heads of your victims and pull the teeth out for the sake of the piggy's digestion. You could do this afterwards, of course, but you don't want to go sieving through pig shit now, do you? They will go through bone like butter. You need at least 16 pigs to finish the job in one setting, so be wary of any man who keeps a pig farm. They will go through a body that weighs 200 pounds in about eight minutes. That means that a single pig can consume two pounds of uncooked flesh every minute. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. Well, thank you for that. That's a great weight off my mind. Now, I mean, if you wouldn't mind telling me who the fuck you are, apart from someone who feeds people to pigs, of course. The design is really cool, and it's actually pretty freaky. So, like... In a nutshell, Bricktop just starts talking shit to him about how worthless they are and how no matter what they know or any money they have, they belong to him, basically. And they're just like, well, who are you? And then he shows them this room where like, it's basically like Dextered out and they're about to be serial murdered along with like their friend in these body bags and like they got all these bone saws and stuff. Bone saw. Don't forget about the pigs. That he, that's when he tells the story about feeding people the pigs. Yeah, this is the second or third time he's talked about how fast pigs can eat. Great eat as a <laughs> as pig. As a pig. <laughs> they will go through bone like butter. It's tough to understate how much of the heavy lifting Alan Ford's teeth are doing in those close <laughs> yeah. like, It's incredible. <laughs> I know his teeth are their own character. He Fantastic. is like grimacing the entire time. He's never closing his mouth. He's like clenching his jaw the entire movie. <laughs> Just very angry. Do you know what nemesis means? A righteous infliction of retribution manifested by an appropriate agent. Personified in this case by an honorable cunt. Me. Something I literally, I literally remember perfectly, and I do it all the time just randomly, is when Turkish steps on his foot when he's backing up, he goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> when you rewatch it again, watch his face. Ah. <laughs> ah. I love that. Stevie, don't you like love Dennis Farina? Haven't you like? Isn't it killing you not to talk about him? No, not really. I was about to get there, actually. 
Wait, you don't really like him, Stevie? Oh no, it's not killing me not to talk about him. Uh, I love Cousin Abby. You got a toothbrush? We're going to London. Do you hear that, Doug? I'm coming to London. Shut up and sit down, you big bald fuck. I think he's a hysterical part of this movie, and his character actually matches the tone of this movie, unlike so many other characters. So, yeah, I love Abby. Whoa, what is that? Throwing shade. Whoa. Okay, I don't Stevie doesn't like Snatch? You know, Josh, remember when you said you watched it as an older person and you thought it was trying really hard to be cool? Yeah. I feel like that's like half the dialogue in this movie and it drives me insane. So if you're gonna have a movie that has so many characters and it moves at a breakneck speed, it drives me insane when so many characters have a ton of speeches. It's not just Bricktop, it's many other characters that have speeches that go on and on. It's like that doesn't match the tone of that character or the movie and Avi actually matches the tone because he moves really quick and wants things done quick and he talks quick. So that's why I love Avi. I don't like leaving my own country, Doug, and I especially don't like leaving it for anything less than warm, sandy beaches and cocktails with little straw hats. We've, we've got sandy beaches. So who the fuck wants to see them? What is the tone of Snatch, Stevie? <laughs> what do you mean? You're saying, you're, saying that, you're saying a lot of the characters don't match the tone. What is the tone? Uh, moving really quickly. I mean, as far as like the film, I mean, the film itself moves quick. Just sometimes the dialogue and the speeches grind it to a halt. I think the dialogue is what makes this movie. I've always thought that, but I mean, I guess each everyone has their own opinion. Man, I sorry, Corey, I screwed you up. I, I every pod needs its peaks and valleys, so let's just embrace the valley. <laughs> and I think that, like, yeah, the dialogue is a little bit masturbatory. With like they repeat so many so lines. So masturbatory. I think it's like, oh, that line was clever. Let's say it two or three more times. I think what you think you two think is trying to be cool is actually just cool then that's that's my opinion and yeah you guys are just out of touch <laughs> what yeah why are you guys so dour this is it's just a fun movie i feel like all of the characters match the fun tone of the movie is they're not giving fucking quint and jaws speeches stevie they're all, like they're always like comedic lighthearted like quips or stories okay i'm sorry like I love Bullet Tooth Tony. Oh my god! I but the that. Desert Eagle speech did not need to happen. Oh god! Oh, I love that. Like you were talking about self-masturbatory, like like dialogue. That's it right there. You're obviously the big dick. No, no other side here are your balls. There are two types of balls. There are big brave balls, and there are little mincy faggot balls. These are your last words. So make them a prayer. Now, dicks have drive and clarity of vision, but they're not clever. They smell pussy, and they want a piece of the action. And you thought you smelled some good old pussy, and have brought your two little mincy faggot balls along for a good old time. But you've got your parties muddled up. There's no pussy here. Just a dose that'll make you wish you were born a woman. Like a prick. You're having second thoughts. You're shrinking. And your two little balls are shrinking with you. And the fact that you've got replica written down the side of your guns. And the fact that I've got Desert Eagle 
point five up. Written on side of mine. Should precipitate your balls into shrinking along with your presence. Now. Fuck off. If you want to talk about the balls thing, maybe, but the the replica in the desert eagle has always yeah. been one of my favorite parts. So Oh, Corey, Kylo, Pappy, that's like a oh, middle-aged white dude. Yikety yike yike. <laughs> Lindsay Ellis <laughs> wouldn't like this. Why is Josh obsessed with Lindsay Ellis now? I feel like he felt left out of all yeah, of our Josh. talks. Yeah. He's never seen one Lindsay Ellis video and he's obsessed. You sound like me in 2008. <laughs> Just quoting her, man. I think Abby is great in this movie. Uh, Dennis Farina. I, it's funny, too, because. There was a time, I, I didn't think this so much in my recent watch, but there was a time when I was like thinking he's the token American guy, you know? He's kind of like faster than everyone else, right? Like he wants to get things done and people are kind of like aggravated by him in a lot of ways. He's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's well, go. And yeah. he's like in your face. I hate fucking dogs. Come on, Tony. He's like a rage monster and he, he loves America and he hates being and like he like you say he wants to he wants to get done as soon as possible and he wants to get back home he cannot right. stand being away from his home so is it very often that a British movie shows like the lone American character is actually being kind of cool like I feel like it's usually played off as like no the dumbass American that's only Korean <laughs> movies yeah he's pretty ruthless though I mean he's okay with opening up. A dog. I don't know how cool <laughs> that is. It's empty. I'm getting hyper. Tony, do something terrible. No, I'm being serious. It, the, the dog. The dog must have had it. Well, then let's have a look, shall we? Tony? What? Look in the dog. You mean look in the dog? I mean open him up. Fucking tin of baked beans. What do you mean, open him up? You know what I mean. That's a bit strong, isn't it? I didn't say he was moral. Oh, he just yeah. fits the tone of the movie, is what I mean. Mikey, what do you think about Bulletproof Tony? Vinnie Jones is uh, great in this movie. I think he's incredibly intimidating uh his character and all of his scenes are like set to madonna's shining star or whatever oh, <laughs> because like guy Ritchie was yeah guy Ritchie was like married to madonna at this time so uh, of course uh she has a song in this in this movie um <laughs> but Vinny uh or bulletooth tony is great very tough he's just what, what what is his job like really he's just he's not really a hitman he's just kind of like i don't know bounty hunter when we first yeah when we first see him he's smashing some dude's head uh, in the door of his car and then he answers his car phone bonjour. uh with bonjour i love it yeah he's like they, they describe him as a bounty hunter but he's just more like a hired gun like you just hire him and he does whatever the fuck you want like mm. <laughs> 
Because not only is he, you know, trying to track down Frankie Fourfingers, he's really doing anything Avi asks, including cutting a dog open if needed. Fortunately, not needed, but basically anything he wants him to do. But I think one of the highlights and one of the first things we see Tony do in the movie is, like, shake down some, like, low-level crime guy. I don't know how to describe him. There's a guy called Mullet. He's a spud in train spotting. Wonder Woman. When Tony pulls up to this guy and the dude's like, his smile just like fades instantly. Like, I love it. And then he has to like put on this fake smile for Tony (laughs) and Tony puts his head in the window and starts driving. It's just, it's just funny, man. (laughs) Comfortable mullet? Seems sadly ironic. It's that tie that's got you into this pickle. And you take all the time you want, mate. Driving down the street with your head stuck in my window. You think I'm doing you clean ass? What do you It's got to be said about the consistency too of all the characters. They're all trying to get a little piece of the pie, right? Like that Pikey kid's not going to tell him where Brad Pitt is unless he gives him <laughs> whatever money. And this guy is Five like, quid. he's like, I'll tell you, but you know how it works. You got to cost me. And that's when he like. It's either going to be money or violence exchanged. It becomes pretty obvious at every turn. I love when he has his car. He traps his head. It's a really visceral scene. He traps this guy's head in a window, like his neck. So he's gargling, like, please stop. And then then he starts moving the car. (laughs) At one point, Tony says to him, he's like, Stop, Tone. Please, Tone. And he says, have you been using dog shit for toothpaste? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what a good response, man. I've never actually read this before, but in the most Vinnie Jones story ever, it actually looked, and I noticed it this time, like when they're sitting there in the car with the guns and uh, he comes up and taps his gun on the window, that that's like a body double because Vinnie Jones wasn't there because he was in jail because he got in a fight that before. (laughs) <laughs> if you look at it, it, you could, I mean, it definitely does not look like him. So, like what, like a football riot or whatever who, the fuck they do? Who out knows, there? man? I mean, he probably just went out, had 19 beers, and probably got in a fight with someone. I mean, <laughs> who the fuck would fight that guy? <laughs> Mikey's, Mikey's brought it up before. Like, check his stuff on YouTube. He's like the dirtiest soccer player of all time, and it was so hilarious. Yeah, he's <laughs> very scary. I think you mean football. Football, yeah. Well, I'm an American, so. Proud to be in America. Bullet Tooth Tony like doesn't really move the story much though, does he? That's my one like little gripe about him is like the story is kind of the same whether or not he's in it. He's just kind of there to be a cool, cool character. Yeah. Some characters are just extensions of other characters in this movie. There's quite a few, right? And uh, he's an extension of Abby. Mm-hmm. He yeah he he helps him out like though I mean. He's like the violence of those two guys. How do you want to get rid of him? Well, do you want to shoot it? It's a little noisy, isn't it? Huh? Do you want to stab it? Well, it's a little cold-blooded, isn't it? Do you want to kill him or not? I'll cut him. I got a blade. Yeah, that's the spirit. Rosebud thinks he's violent, and Abby's not violent at all. So he's <laughs> kind of like his strong arm, I guess you could his say. His muscle, yeah. yeah. Rosebud. Pappy, we were talking about tone. At some point, the movie takes a kind of a tonal shift when things start to get more dire, when the stakes kind of ramp up. And that is when 
uh, Mickey's mum dies. Maybe you can tell us about that. Mm, yeah, pretty tragic. So so Mickey fucks up in his first fight, doesn't go down in the fourth. Bricktop wants to enforce some consequences, not only for this, but Mickey also saying that he doesn't want to fight anymore. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe, Stevie, to your point, like the shot of like Brad Pitt in his underwear, which feels like it's like a shot to have like Brad Pitt like basically naked in the movie just for that zone sake. <laughs> like him screaming at his mom like burning alive in the trailer, like that's a pretty that's a pretty downbeat. Is that like a tonal inconsistency nit nitpick that you you have? No. His mom's on fire, so I am not complaining. I think this is the hottest Brad Pitt has ever been in any movie. <laughs> and, uh, Literally. He didn't wipe his butt when he crapped, so, like... Oh, he looks very dirty. Wait, so this this isn't a problem for you, Steve? What are you getting at? You said, like, the tone's all over the place. I thought this would be a problem I for you. I said, if you're going to have one character give a bunch of speeches, fine. But when you're giving many characters a bunch of speeches, then it's like, how clever can I make this? Like, I'm, I'm just... That's all I said. Yeah, there's no speech here, Pat. It's more of like a music montage, mm-hmm. and I think the music is great. <laughs> oh yeah, the music is amazing point. in this movie. Yeah, so I can't complain, and it just like kind of solidifies like how important Mickey's mom was to him. So like he's ready to set the world on fire after this incident. So oh yeah, I mean I love it too. The song that's playing during the scene is great. Uh-huh. It's it really gives you that emotional feel to it. I mean, on top of like what occurred on screen, but you know, music always helps with those kinds of things. Um, but also seeing like the flames reflected in Brad Pitt's eyes and it, it zooms in on him slowly and it's like, you know, something is coming. Yeah, you could see him formulating a plan like, or just like the rage overtaking him. Yeah, for sure. So he's like the superhero, perhaps even Christ character of the movie, right? Like he's, at once the village elder smartest pikey i guess and also he can fight like achilles from troy he can just take a beating it's unrealistic it's so fun though and i love that like the pikeys this poor people have this like hero to rally up against it is kind of like a hero story low-key it's pretty cool yeah i mean and unrealistic is i think fine for this movie i don't yeah. think I don't think that's uh, a knock on it at all. I mean, we had Benicio Del Toro quick changing. Like, that's like basically saying like nothing in this movie is supposed to be taken too seriously. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of little things definitely like that, but for sure. The movie kind of continues. And I think after like the heaviness of that and a few scenes later, um, it kind of like goes back into the, the comedic area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett, there's a pretty good moment, I think, where like a lot of our characters inadvertently yep. collide, yep. so to speak. Yeah, it's one of those things where something happens and you hear it kind of happen off screen and then you find out what it was. Yeah, uh, let's see, uh, Tommy Turkish. Well, Tommy's correctly talking to him about how humans have figured out how to deal with dairy. I think some of us on the pod can uh, agree and with he's that. He's chastising him about the mo- <laughs> The milk, right? Yeah, the milk. So he grabs it and chucks it, which is just such a douche thing to do. And you hear a crash, and you don't really know what's going on. You find out later that I think it was, was it, was it Avi's car or was it Saul's car? Avi's. Avi's car gets the milk on him. 
Also, there's a, a little funny line that always cracks me up when Rosebud has this humongous butcher knife that all of us would crap our pants if we saw. And Bullet Tooth Tony's like, wipe the butter off of that and put it away. There's a proper blade down there. And it's a freaking like samurai sword. It's a sword. It's, like, it's a pirate sword. Yeah, and then they crash, and it's a hilarious-looking crash, and it splits Rosebud in half, pretty much. At least that's the joke. And then Saul, to try to prove that his guns are extra loud, which this is just a really good way to hurt your, to lose some hearing, shoots one of the blanks off, and the windows shatter, and they ended up running over Boris the Blade, who had broken out of Abby's trunk because he had been kidnapped. And it's all just a big old... He's moving around like a chicken or something. Yeah. I always found that strange. Like, I never quite understood, like, why he's moving like a like a chicken. It's amazing. It's so fun <laughs> to watch that part. Oh, Tyrone, what have you done? I'm guessing it's because he's really disoriented. Plus, he just got, like, beat up, even though he kicked the crap out of the other three guys. But, yeah, it always weird to me because he's KGB. I guarantee you they train that kind of thing. But he must have just been really disoriented. So, but, yeah, he's, like, pigeon-footing around. Yeah, pretty funny. He wants to take off running. And, again, he's impossible to kill. <laughs> Dude, when they shoot him later, he's like, almost had me. What's the case? Uh, you miss. I'll take the piss, Boris. I'll show you now. Fuck you! Almost. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your take from that? Like, when Bullet Tooth Tony shoots him, it, does he miss, or does he hit him in a non-vital spot? Yes. I, I mean, I... I think he hits him in a non-vital spot because he dodges bullets. There are no he... vital spots for him. Remember, those are going into his brain, and he's still <laughs> totally fine. Those are massive bullets too. I love seeing Boris the Blade when after he gets hit by the car and he like goes back home and he's like all in fucking crazy mode and he's like talking to himself. <laughs> he's lost his mind. And he like comes out with like a, a fucking predator gun. AK-47 or something. What is it? Well, it's an AK-74, but yeah, it's just like a, it's like... Whoa. It's like what Dutch has in Predator. Brett, I call every gun that looks like that an AK-47. Well, yeah, I mean, it's AK-74, it's... Uh, I mean, it's two like, numbers are flipped. It's a Kalashnikov, it's just big, but it also has, it literally has a grenade launcher on it. It's exact, it's almost, except for, I mean, the one Predator has, it, Dutch has like an M16, but, so, but it's got, I mean, it shoots grenades and stuff, so... I wish we could have seen him shoot that. I researched that, so, you know. That whole, like, dialogue between, like, Tommy and Turkish while they're, like, outside in his yard. They're talking about nuts and stuff, and then <laughs> Tommy ends up getting his nuts squeezed oh, yeah. by Boris the Blade as they're, like, walking up to it, like... Should we go in? I don't want to go in there. It's a dangerous bastard. Taking too many disco biscuits in the heat of Russian disputations. He's got as many of these nuts as he has those nuts. I don't care if he's got fucking hazelnuts. I want a gun that works. And I'm going to tell him. Oh, good time. Surely got those minerals. Come on, then. Before the Germans get in. 
you just tell him who's in charge? Uh, Boris. I certainly told him, Tommy. You guys had a problem, or I don't know, I think it was maybe Stevie about the dialogue reflecting what's Stevie had a big problem with it. Yeah, it was a pretty large problem. Don't speak for me, Pap. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like just kind of like stuff like that is like what adds to the comedy of the movie is definitely like they're talking about, oh, you got big nuts, Tommy, you're gonna go uh fucking bust a bust a cap in his ass or uh, Right, whatever. he gets American for yeah. a second, which is hilarious. Yeah. Well why didn't you bust a cap in his ass then Tommy? Like, this movie falls back on itself so brilliantly for the simple fact that, you know, when Boris uh, kills Frankie Four Fingers, he puts, you know... Earplugs. Earplugs. Yeah, he puts earplugs in his ears and, you know, kills him. And then it's more than 20 minutes later, Vinny's talking to Soul about, you know, what are you going to do, deafen him to death? That's literally, like, how we get to them blowing out the windows. I think the, the writing's just amazing, I think, as far as setting up pieces and the manipulation of time. Mm-hmm. Even when Jason Statham Turkish is talking to Tommy and about the milk thing, like that's the point in the story when like their lives are in the most jeopardy. Like if anything <laughs> goes wrong with this upcoming fight, they are fucking dead. They've already lost all their money to Bricktop. Like things are not looking good. And Tommy is giving him shit about like milk and how it affects your digestive system. Like that's just a good placement of that like little bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also seeing jason statham before he went full superhero mode is nice right like this is like the youngest i've ever seen jason statham and he looks exactly the same yeah he's he's like a legit fighter guy in real life so how can his hairline recede but never fully go bald after all these <laughs> years it's amazing it's the same why? It's constantly in retreat, but never gives up any ground. How is that possible? His hairline is afraid of Jason Statham, but he never fully backs down. Stevie, I, I really like what you said about the manipulation of time thing. Because, like, like I said, I'm not as like familiar with Snatch as you guys, but that whole car crash sequence that you guys were describing, like, it's presented in a really challenging way right like it's not very it's straightforward brilliant. what's happening yeah it's like it's, it's talk about trusting your audience like it's very like interesting and compelling and the way that the information's doled out is pieced out like oh this is this car and this was this car it's, it's really do you well think done. it was written that way or edited that way very good question Both. i would probably lean towards edited but it's i don't know what do you think i think it was written though stevie but i still think he was like that's uh, tough to put on paper I think he wrote that that we'll get it in editing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I could see him writing it straight out and then say, we're going to manipulate this scene right here. Because it really is trusting your audience (laughs) because things are happening that you have no idea. Like, how did this happen? And the fact that the three cars, you know, balance off each other so flawlessly is really cool. He had the scenes written out chronologically. Then next to it, there's just this like big carrot and a note, like jumble around and post. Jumble around. <laughs> it's awesome. Josh, we talked about uh, the dog a little bit, I think, but I think it is important to note here that the dog does actually swallow the diamond, right? <laughs> in addition to a few other like inanimate objects in the movie. Yeah. 
I think the dog is actually also brilliant and it adds a level of texture like like a genius dog no like just the addition of having that same dog throughout and the way that it breathes with the squeaky toy in its mouth it's it's kind of grating i guess but it's like a unique sound that i really haven't heard in any other movie before and it's pretty the barking squeak yeah like it's, it's pretty funny every time you see this dog just to think it's like struggling with this like <laughs> squeak toy deep down in its gullet just like stuck somewhere Abby's best line is like what you never heard a dog squeak before <laughs> when he goes and shoots it or shoots at it oh it's hilarious the three guys that we considered like the stupidest guys or whatever they they got this look when they see Turkish passing at the end and Tommy I think is holding the dog in its lap and they don't know it but the dogs has swallowed the do- the diamond earlier so presumably it's going to take a crap at some point with a giant diamond in it and that's a future movie right Corey I mean I just got to speak to something you said they definitively are the stupidest guys in the movie <laughs> it's not a we said thing man <laughs> the movie said Stevie let's talk about the big fight at the end it kind of culminates in terms of the uh the main story with Turkish and Tommy anyway with Brad Pitt's fight and bare knuckle boxing match for Bricktop yeah this is probably my favorite thing that Guy Ritchie did throughout the movie which is when Mickey's uh, on his way to the ring and he either fights with that guy or he's not walking in a straight line, he's taking in and out of focus constantly. I love that. If you watch him veer at all, he's out of focus. But the minute he gets in the ring, he never goes out of focus once. Like, that's literally so cool, the fact that you're telling us, like, this is, like, his home right here in the ring. It's the only time he's, like, constantly in focus throughout. The uh, <laughs> the uh, other funny thing, I mean, it wouldn't say a funny thing, but, you know, he starts the fight off just like the other fight, which is <laughs> knocking that dude down immediately. It's like he can't help it. And the zoom-ins and the, like, on the Yeah, the zoom-ins and just the faces on everybody. And the fact that he knocks him down again, he doubles down and knocks him down again. And then the really great part of this fight, too, is especially when Mickey just goes through hell and has to get the shit shit beat out of him for about three straight rounds. Do you like when he goes to the sunken place and just gets knocked in the next Tuesday? I love it. I personally, I've only got had got a concussion of football once, but I've never been knocked out by a fist or like <laughs> fighting. Uh, I have to imagine it's somewhat similar to that. I mean, Josh, you were talking about this earlier, right? Like what the movie was trying to tell us with this, I think. It's like I guess, Caleb. yeah, he... I, <laughs> bleep. Brad Pitt's the hero, and, like, somehow, deep down, he has, like, control of the situation. And his pride, kind of Pulp Fiction reference, isn't going to let him, like, lose this fight in addition to losing his mom, like, what, a week ago. So... 
he knocks this dude out. And I don't know, Corey, I think you deserve to kind of lay out the final trap that the Pikeys laid out because it's so cathartic, right, to see it happen at the end. It is. I mean, as a first-time viewer, like, you don't really know what's going to happen. You, you, I think you're led to believe, partially at least, that Mickey, Brad Pitt's character, is, like, just a fuck-up. And, like, he is not going to necessarily do what he's supposed to do here. And then he knocks the guy out, and you're like, yep, he's, he's done it again. He's, he's kind of fucked him over. But as it unfolds, you, you can kind of piece it together, which I think is like a good twist in a movie. This isn't necessarily like an M. Night Shyamalan level twist of that type, but it is a twist in its own right. You ever crossed the road and looked the wrong way? Give me that fucking shooter. Then hey presto, there's a car nearly on you. So what do you do? Something very silly. You freeze and your life doesn't flash before you because you're too fucking scared to think. You just freeze and pull a stupid face. But the pikey didn't. Why? Because he had plans on running the car over. It had previously occurred to me that the gypsy had taken the demise of his mother rather lightly. For every action, there's a reaction. And a pikey reaction is quite a fucking thing where he has basically turned the tables on Bricktop. Bricktop has all these mob guys out by the campsite. Mickey knew they were going to be there. All the pikeys take them out, you know? He has uh, his guys waiting in the car. Mickey's already taken care of them. The screenplay is really good in the sense that, or, or the way it's edited maybe, I, I don't know what you'd attribute it to, but it never lies to you, but there's a really strong misdirection, right? Like when you see Bricktop on the phone and you hear the shots. Yep. Um, that's not lying to you. That shot happened, but it wasn't like, you know, the Pikes being slaughtered. You all the evidence. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. The way that it's presented, it, it could be like way more deceitful, but the fact that it doesn't need to go there and it's still like a great twist is awesome. For sure. Mikey, after the fight, after Mickey has kind of won the day, has toppled Bricktop, maybe you can just touch on the end before we wrap up with yes or no's. We get Vinny and Saul there and uh, Tyrone. They've been arrested. Uh, they get found uh, in a stole with a stolen car with like bodies in the back. They're getting arrested by cops at the gypsy camp, Turkish and Tommy, or they're at that same gypsy camp and they have the dog poop diamond. <laughs> yeah, well, they have <laughs> the dog. Uh, they happen to find the dog. Uh, they luck out. The cops are asking them why they're there, and they kind of just luck into like, oh, yeah, we're uh, walking the dog. I mean, there's other questions they could have asked, right? Like, why did you bring the dog here? But uh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of the gypsies are gone. They've ab abandoned that camp, uh, as they probably should have. Uh, they've probably got a lot of heat on them at that point. And... Cousin Avi, back home after he killed Bullet Tooth Tony uh, on accident, just hates England even more now. <laughs> Pretty much it. I think everybody else is like dead. Uh, <laughs> but uh... Yeah, a lot of our cast of characters has died, but it, it kind of like 
it, it restarts in kind of a fun way, I think, right? Like, Avi has gone back home. He's given up his hopes of the diamond. But then Turkish, of course, brings the diamond to the one guy you bring a diamond to, Doug the Head. And I get the vibe that it starts over again, yeah, right? Is Avi going to come try to kill them? I, was, I mean, I always kind of yeah, wondered that. I would, I would think it just the, the whole thing continues and there's, you know, the antics never stop with this, you know, <laughs> type of person or with these types of people. I think an underrated line, I don't remember exactly what it is, but they said, would you like to declare anything? And he says, yeah, don't go to London or don't go to England. Anything to declare? Yeah, don't go to England. Do you guys have any final thoughts about Snatch before we do yes and no's? I find like a lot of parallels. Like, I, this was made like before Ocean's Eleven, but I find like a lot of parallels to Ocean's Eleven and the fact that it has like Brad Pitt in it as well. Um, it's just like the mul- multiple storylines all like kind of interconnecting, and it's a heist movie and oh, yeah. just like yeah. filled with lots of comedy and stuff. Just a much more R-rated version of uh, an Ocean's Eleven movie. But I love it. I mean, it's it's great. I can see that. You know, the, the semi-zany ensemble piece heist. Mm-hmm. For sure. Alright, well let's do yes and no's. I will give mine first. Snatch is a yes. I've loved this movie for a long time. There was a time in my life when I would watch Snatch every single day after school in 11th grade. I would come home from school, heat up three corn dogs, and put on Snatch, like, every time. Like, it was just my routine. So this movie is uh, nostalgic for me, which, as you guys know, is a big point for me. Um, But also, it's just good. It's funny, and it's fun. I really like it. Uh, Let's go around... I guess we'll go in the same order of most violent to least violent. Brett, you're up first. <laughs> yeah, you better watch your back when you're around me. Um, yeah, so I got the best value ever for $1 as anyone ever. My late friend Gray and I went to the Dollar Movie Theater, and we broke the law a little bit, but we bought a ticket to see Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And after we watched that movie, we snuck into Snatch. So we got to see two... Great movies for $1. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, it's right up there uh, with the movie I've seen the most. Uh, probably top five, top ten. Uh, my brother and I watched it re- like so, so often. Uh, my dad, this is probably the movie quotes more than any other movie. The two probably things he says the most, he loves <laughs> to say, it's too tight. You can load a jumbo jet in there. I mean, he loves that. And he also says, two minutes Turkish Your all the dad? time. So, oh yeah, my dad yeah. loves Snatch. And he likes this movie. Um, ugh, hey now. Gross. Hey now. Hard, 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 hard yes. I love this movie. I think the dialogues, I think it's just borderline. Just, I think, I think it's amazing. Like masterpiece. So definitely hard, hard yes. Awesome. Happy. Uh, yeah, hard yes for me. Like I said, I forgot that I had seen this movie, so it's pretty weird when that happens. Like, the thing that made me realize I had seen it were the Viva Las Vegas cues with Benicio Del Toro, and then when the twins popped up, I'm like, oh, shit, I've definitely seen this before. But 
I don't know why I didn't remember it because it's a very memorable movie. I think it is tonally consistent. I think this movie knows exactly what it's trying to be and exceeds really well. I think the screenplay does fall on itself really well. There's so many little great setup and payoffs. It's not, I don't know, because like I said, I didn't think I had seen this movie in my head. I was picturing it more of a movie focused on a heist. I like that it's more of a movie focused on like the bounty coming out of a heist, right? And how that like moves between all these different characters and stuff. It's a really interesting take on that. Well acted all around, uh, especially the dogs. I don't think we talked about the dog and the rabbit scene. I don't even know how you teach a dog and a rabbit how to act like that. Fantastic stuff on the animal trainer's part. Yeah, hard hard yes. That ain't acting. I think you just pray that the dog doesn't catch the rabbit. <laughs> yeah. One more thing, too, for like the people who are like, saying this movie like thinks it's cool or whatever. I think you're falling into like the fight club trap a little bit where you might you can be just getting... say me, Pap. It, no, it's you and well okay, for Stevie and Josh who are like saying this movie's like cooler than it thinks it is. I think you guys are getting caught up in the discourse. I said trying around sometimes. It. I don't interrupt you when you do your yes or no's. Um <gasps> but I don't attack you during yes I've or no. I've been there, I've been there. I've been screamed at by Pappy. You, you don't should want do it. it more often. But yeah, I, I think this movie is, like I think this movie is exactly what it's trying to be. I don't I didn't find it like cringy over the top in any way. I think if maybe if I watched this a bunch like when I was younger, maybe I would feel that way. But I, I think this movie is very successful in what it's trying to do. Very hard yes. Good pick, brother Brian. Stevie, respond. <laughs> I don't know. I was I feel like Pat was just like attacking me instead of praising the movie during that thing. <laughs> Pat found no flaws in this movie, Stevie. I know. Worry. He's like, I think it is totally consistent. I, I mean, jeez. Um, See how I don't yeah. interrupt like you? I was just very patient and quiet. You just interrupted me. <laughs> you literally just interrupted me. God. Pappy, save your breath for cooling your porridge. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Back in the day, I would consider this like a top 10 movie for me all time. I think this is Guy Ritchie's best movie. Mm-hmm. I think the it's a phenomenal cast, phenomenally acted. I think the character arc of Tyrone is one of my favorites. <laughs> and the simple fact that he tries to act so hard in the beginning, and then by the end, he really wants no part of this. <laughs> I think if anybody got a spinoff of this movie, it'd be Tyrone. And his delivery of, they look messy, is absolutely one of my favorite parts of this movie. So hardest of yeses. That is a good line. Yeah. A lot of little things in this movie that are just so fantastic. Mikey. Yeah, this is definitely a hard, hard yes. Um, like Brett said, I think it's probably one of my top five movies watched like repeatedly of all time. Uh, I used to watch this so much. And uh, I've watched it like twice just leading up to, to doing this podcast of after I hadn't seen it for quite a while. Uh, but I love it, and I remember like, so much of the dialogue, so many of the lines are so memorable, and I think it's so funny, and I love everybody in the cast. I think the music is great. Just love it all around. Brad Pitt might be one of my like top three favorite Brad Pitt roles. Just I think he's great in this. Just totally unintelligible. Can't understand a goddamn word he's saying, but... <laughs> It's just uh, one of his best roles for me. I, I just love everything about this movie. It's it's one of my. It, it's got to be like my hardest yes I've ever given on spoilers. Mm. I've seen this movie Damn. so nice. so many times. I've seen it so many times. I can't understate that enough. But 
Corey, the way that you were talking about it, I think you might have seen it more than me, but yeah, it's got to be up there for me in terms of uh, rewatches. So hard, hard yes. That's cool. Awesome. Josh. So Mikey, it's right up there with the counselor as far as Brad Brad Pitt. As Brad Pitt at his worst, and now we've seen Brad Pitt at one of my favorites. I feel like another maybe lesser movie we might rip apart for some of these like weird coincidence scenes. We didn't talk about like some of the main characters back into the van that Benicio del Toro is changing in and he gets like knocked out for a very convenient amount of time. You guys love that car crash scene. I feel like it gets a little too chaotic. It's pretty cool. But like I feel like again a lesser movie we might rip in on and having such like a convenient coincidence take place within the script. But I think ultimately everything is played for fun so consistently and just like it's Guy Ritchie and maybe it is a little masturbatory, but ultimately it's fun to see a person play with their toys with the gas pedal pressed all the way down for like the full hour and 35 minutes. It really is entertaining. I think this is like Guy Ritchie's sweet spot where he really hit the mark. And a lot of my negativity, I think is me just judging myself when I used to watch this movie a lot, like you guys did just be like, that's not as cool as you used to think it was Josh, but also it is kind of pretty cool. Still pretty fun. Right. So, uh, still fun to this day. And, uh, thank you brother Brian for suggesting this. Cause I, I feel like it might've been a while until we got around to it. Hard. Yes. I think I see what you mean now, Josh. It's like a self criticism, right? When you say, this movie is trying to be cool. It's almost like you're looking at yourself from when you were younger. I get it now. Okay. But I don't want to admit I'm putting a mirror up to myself. That's embarrassing. I don't want to do yeah, that so stuff. Just talk shit about the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For whoever's editing this, it, for a reward for my brother, I hope that we're playing one of the, like a song he freaking loves a ton, which is Golden Brown by The Stranglers. It's one of my favorite soundtrack songs. I know it is one of his, too. You guys know what song I'm talking about, hopefully. Every time, just like the last, on the ship tied to the mast, two distant lands takes both my hands, never a frown with golden brown. It's so that's just like one of his rewards. It's just a great, great song, and I hope it's playing somewhere in this podcast. For brother Brian, for brother we Brian, for you, we will get pulled for YouTube for the, him just to the play. The <laughs> brother Brian, the best man at my wedding, dinged on SoundCloud again. I doubt the Stranglers <laughs> are coming after you. Yes, thank you, brother Brian, for this pick. It was a a very good pick. I'm glad I got to host it. So thank you guys for letting me do that. Spoilers, crew here. Uh, before we wrap up, we're going to do a quick game of subjective trivia. Oh, no. This is something we've talked about for a long time, and we're going to finally do it with zero stakes. So, winner of this tosses the spoiler man in classic uh, Patreon pick fashion. We're going to go around, and I want you to give me your best impression of any character from Snatch. Oh, shit. Nice and easy. 
So we're going to do the same order as earlier. Brett, let's hear it, man. <clears throat> I need to take a shake. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Gosh, not your bad, face was inside of your microphone for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what Mickey would have done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Love it. Pappy, what you got? Oy vey, that Jesus guy is so overrated, oy! <laughs> what? Oh, man. He went there. And we lost all the Jewish listeners right there. Benicio? Is he here? Thank you, thank you. Am I next? Stevie, go ahead. I'm so bad at these. I can do Benicio's, I guess. Um, let me try this. That is the stone. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> that was really good. That's going to be tough to beat, I think. Mikey, yeah, Mikey did a good one of that earlier, too. Mikey. Because um, he dodges bullets, Avi. <laughs> Josh. You don't get to make that choice for me, Wanda. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to play along with their games. I (laughs) pick it. Subjective trivia. (laughs) No, you got to emphasize choice. You don't get to make that choice for me, Wanda. (laughs) Oh, you know what would have won before the Germans get here? I think Josh wins. Uh, if I'm being honest with myself here, I got to give it to Stevie. That was pretty spot on. Um, some of you oh, other guys were really good, job, good. Brett and Mikey. Pappy, I don't know what that anti-Semitic shit was. <laughs> hey, hey, this is the beginning of the movie. That uh, Jesus, he comes, he dies. He didn't come back. What? <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Stevie, you are the winner of trivia. Do what you do. Go. First off, is this only the second time we've done subjective trivia? What was the first time? Maybe? I did it on Legend, and I feel like it almost ruined the podcast. We almost <laughs> I was so mad. quit the podcast. The adios, muchachos. First time. I think I told ask people to give me the best remake cast of Legend. Mm. I think I gave it to Mikey. I can't remember. Anyway, do you want me to take us out, Corey, or what? Yeah. Okay. And you can say whatever thing you want to say. Make a hot take or something. Yeah, and what's coming down the pike? He already made a hot take like 40 minutes ago, but saying this movie was terrible. What's, what's terrible? Joking. I just messed with you, man. Hi. Oi. Um, okay. Oi. So I'm pulling up Trello right now, Trello. and I've been logged out. Son of a bitch. I, I just want to say the IMDb quotes page of this movie, it's like the whole fucking movie. The whole yes. goddamn script is IMDb quotes. Like, that's how <laughs> memorable this whole movie is. Who took the jam out of your donut? You took the jam out of my donut. That's a good one. It's tip toe. Okay, you oh, know what? I can't open Trello. I've been I got you. out. I got you, okay. Stevie. What's uh, up, Pab? What's coming down the pipe? Mad Max, Fury Road, Josh. Is that coming out? Oh, yes. Soon? The Patreon exclusive recently we did uh mikey and i did a four-hour drunken snyder cut commentary which is pretty hilarious also exclusive <laughs> to the patreon yeah, um, please listen to that. 
And then coming out uh, soon will be Furious 7. Probably. Oh. Uh, return of the Fast and the Furious franchise. So look forward Family. to that. R.I.P. Paul Walker. Three Ninjas. And more more Patreon requests. Uh, and Three Ninjas will be the last movie game that we did uh, while you're listening to this. Yeah, and as far as Mad Max goes, it's on Patreon only, like you said. And it ain't a free shop, ain't it? So fuck off. Oh, well, thank you for listening to this awesome episode of Spoilers. Thank you, Brother Bre- or brother Brian, for uh, picking this amazing movie. And for those listening, if you want, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be awesome. Or if you're a super fan, like we've been gaining some, uh, feel free to donate to our Patreon. and We'll spoil a movie for you. So thanks a ton. Thanks for listening. Take it away. Spoilers, man. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll, Brother Brian, Druid King, Nick. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Our spoilers hotline is 903-776-4507. That's 903-SPOIL-07. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, Leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Are you guys uh, about that, like, Dogecoin shit, whatever that is? No. No? <laughs> Isn't it just, like, exploding right now or something? Yeah, I have several friends posting about how they're making a bunch of money off it right now. <sighs> <laughs> I'm too skeptical to partake in anything like that. Like, I, I just can't do it. I don't know. It's just like terrible for the environment. Make your money if you're making money as a poor person in that cryptocurrency shit, but it's just the amount of like emissions. It's like more emissions as a country than like it's like 30th in emissions as a country or something. It's fucking crazy. It's just bad. Crypto is? Yeah. Damn. 
Too bad I didn't. Too bad I didn't invest in Dogecoin. What's gonna happen? <laughs> I was just saying, yeah. Twenty-five cents. Crazy. I mean, I remember when Bitcoin was a new thing, and uh, my coworker <laughs> was telling me about it, and I just thought it sounded like the biggest scam I'd ever heard. I remember uh, my jackass friend who was once a podcaster on this podcast uh, talking about how it was going to be the new currency, and it was only a dollar then. You know what I did get like 12 years ago is I bought a bunch of the original Pokemon card packs unopened from 1999. Dude, you might be rich. You might be wealthy as fuck. I bought a fuck ton of those with my friend, but I, me being the like the little kid in me, I opened half of them. (laughs) That doesn't matter, man. No, just, yeah, just put away. Hear me out. And then when I got sober and I lost my apartment and I needed cash, I sold all my open cards, like, and they were pretty valuable, just for 30 bucks to some kid on Facebook Marketplace, some, like, 12-year-old kid, because I needed some, like, quick money to, like, eat that night or something. (laughs) So I got rid of those, and then the packs I sold for, like, uh, 15 bucks a piece, something really cheap. And my friend, who still has his, because we both bought a bunch, like, showed me how much they are on eBay, and it was, like, a few hundred bucks. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he was just showing me like the higher listings, but it was like something like five hundred bucks a pack or something. I think like, dude, grade, like, grade seven Charizard's going up like thirty thousand dollars right yeah. now. Yeah, that's Jeez. like the <laughs> big thing on Twitch now is people opening up packs of Pokemon yeah, cards. Yeah, just like er- grade yeah. seven, grade seven original Charizard, it's like thirty yeah. grand right now. Oh my god, that hurts me to to hear. I, I know the cards. I, I know I like gave. grade grade nines right now are going for over a hundred grand a Charizard. What does a grade mean? Uh, like, you get like grade by the card companies that like mint it. Right. So you have the, to like the, have it in good condition. But there's only one. Work. There's only one grade ten Charizard. That went for like five hundred. Uh, but like anything below is in between like fifteen and a hundred grand. The fucked up thing too is my friend who also bought all these cards and still has all the packs unopened something like 10 or 12 packs unopened he's already rich so like it's not fair <laughs> he comes from a rich scientology family and like yeah f- for me is his like name a... zach horowitz <laughs> no it's not ah bummer my uh my grandma collected beanie babies when they first came out she had yeah every, beanie she had babies. every beanie baby and someone offered her a million dollars for them and she turned them Why? down because she thought they'd be worth more and they ended up losing almost their entire value yeah. yeah, my wife's mom has like 200 of them. Some of them still in the bag at her house. So my like, sister has an entire storage unit waiting for that to horseshoe back up. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't think that's coming back though. Like, there's just so many Beanie Babies. It doesn't. She has all the originals, the original run, all of them. Everybody yeah. who has, who wants Beanie Babies, has Beanie Babies. Yeah, right now. that's not, true. A new market coming anytime soon. That's true. The thing with Pokemon cards is it was kind of like um, like the old action comics, like how those got valuable. Like there was a bunch of them printed and little kids just like ruined them and like them away. used them as coffee coasters. And like just they, over time, they kind of just like diminished to now where having any that are good quality is like well, super Well, yeah, impressive. Recess ruined all of them. Yeah. my Dude, my Charizard looked like it had been run over. Like it was the most <laughs> fucked up card I own. You gotta put that in a plastic sleeve. Yeah, I don't know why that, but yeah, Charizard is the ultimate Pokemon card right now. I, I remember Alakazam for a while was like the 
the most valuable. And but Mew was our, like Mew, I think too. It was weird. Mew was one you couldn't get in a pack. Yeah, you had to like do something special for it. It was weird. You had to be in Pokemon League like I was. You had to kill another trainer. <laughs> yeah. Nobody <laughs> wanted Blastoise. Everybody just wanted Charizard. He fucking did 100 damage in his fire spin, dude. I never even like knew how to play that game. I, I never even... I, I, just, I just never, like the shiny yeah. cards. <laughs> I've never even held a Pokemon card. I was, I was such a pokey poser. I don't, I don't even know how to play the goddamn game. That was spoilers.